Well, good morning. It's good to uh, to be back up here again. Um, Carter just said to me a few minutes ago, he said, Dad, you look a little nervous. And I said, well, you know, I, I am a little bit. I hope I'm never not when I, when I get up here. Uh, you know, when you get up here and you open God's word and you are proclaiming God's word to his people, I think it's always fitting to have a little bit of nerves when you're, when you're doing something like that. So, um, but the last time I had the opportunity to preach was a few months ago. And we touched on worry and anxiety and God's providential hand and his, his care in our lives. You know, very comforting passages and truths over in, in Matthew 6. And I want to kind of build on that today. And, and I hope that this is another timely and an encouraging message, considering the, the age that we live in, considering the headlines that we see all around us, just considering the world in which we live, this fallen world. And I want to take a look at this morning, as, uh, as Gerald just read, at the peace of Christ the peace that he has, he has left us with. Um, this message, I hope it, it, it'll be kind of like a Good Friday or in an, in an Easter prep sermon. There's going to be a lot of, of talking about uh, and a lot of scripture and truth reminders about what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross and, and what he has secured for us. He has secured for us, namely, namely peace um, in, in a couple of different aspects that we're going to look at this morning. So, um, and that, that verse that, that Gerald just read in 1427 will be kind of our, our launching point uh, this morning. And, and I want to be real quick to say here that we're not talking about, we're not going to be talking about this morning about world peace or, or the absence of war or the, the absence of violence or conflict. No, not directly, anyway. Um, we live in a fallen world, and it will be plagued by conflict and tension and turmoil until Christ returns. Um, so we're talking about a different piece here. Um, but I would say this, the, the conflicts and the turmoil and the tension that exists in this world today in hearts and lives, they exist because they are void of Christ. Um, where, where his peace reigns in hearts, those awful things that we see around the world tend to, to fade away. They're overcome. Um, so today we're not directly talking about um, a world in peace or the absence of conflict or the absence of violence and wars, but hearts that are changed by the gospel will ever be resulting in those things. Um, hearts that are changed by the gospel result in happier families, result in happier communities and happier nations. Um, but with that said, I did kind of shift gears a couple weeks ago and I chose this passage just considering, you know, what has happened around the world and what's going on in the Ukraine. I was watching some videos of Christians in the Ukraine uh, worshiping in their home, and they were worshiping in subway stations and in warehouses, you know, amidst this war that's taking place around them. And one of the videos particularly struck me. Well, all of them really struck me because I, I love hearing Christians worship God in other languages. That just touches my heart when I, when I can recognize the melody and I can hear the songs that they're singing. It's just a reminder that we are part of something bigger than, than us or bigger than, you know, just Christianity in America. It reminds me of every tribe, tongue, and nation. We are united in Christ. So regardless of race, gender, color, ethnicity, no matter what the talking heads want to say or what the culture is saying, that does not change that we are united in Christ. 
Um, we are all made by the same creator in his image. We are all in the same boat. We're sinners in need of a savior. Every one of us, my salvation, your salvation is just as radical as the next salvation that God chooses to bring about. There's no race or classes that will exist in heaven. We all belong to the same family. We are one in the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters all heading towards the same goal, moving towards an eternity with Jesus. So hearing worship in other languages just, just is a joy to me to hear that. Um, but that's a message for another day and probably a, would be a really good message. Maybe I'll put that down as the next thing I, I talk about. But one of the videos really struck me, and it was a family in their home. I presume it was that they were in their home, and they were singing, He Will Hold Me Fast. We sing that here. I love that song. You know, he, he, will, hold us, he will hold us fast. He, he has us. And so this, this dad or this grandfather is in his home, and he's holding a song sheet, and he's singing with his family in the Ukraine, in this war zone, and they're singing this song, He Will Hold Me Fast. And the countenance on his face, he, he's smiling, he's, he's calm, he's, he's peaceful. If you look around the room, it's the same way. If you could pull back the shades of that room or listen outside, there probably was chaos. There may have been sirens or tanks or devastation, but on his face, there was calm. There was, there was this peace. And, you know, what is that? Where, where does that come from? Where does peace in the midst of chaos come from? Where does peace in the midst of a, of a life that is, is full of trouble? In, in many seasons of our life, we are, we are plagued by trouble and tension. Where does that come, come from? Because unrest is, is in us. Some days, I'm, I'm sure you feel it. You feel the unrest. You feel the tension, the conflict. There, division is, is near us in this country. It's all around us. There's literal wars raging among the nations. Turmoil dominates the fallen world. Ourselves, even in, in America, in one of the most free nations on the planet, we live in a very troubled place. Division, conflict, unrest, discontentment. Job said, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. You've all sat around a campfire, haven't you? Where do the sparks go? They, they, they go up. So as, as sure as that's going to happen, we're going to experience trouble in this life. It's just the nature of fallen people living in a fallen world. So, okay, Ryan, you've said all that. Where, where does peace come into, into all this? This is, a, this is a troubled world, and people are trying to find peace. They're trying to find peace in themselves, peace in communities, in their family. People want that. It's how we're made. It's how we're, we're wired to desire a life free from trouble or stress or threats or anxiety or oppression or conflict. But the only kind of peace that the world can provide is a, is a, is a peace of mind based on good circumstances or the removal of stress or trouble. And that's not going to be the peace that we're talking about today. The peace that we're going to be talking about today is, is so much bigger than that. It, it transcends that. Um, but that's all the world has to offer. That's why we have health insurance and life insurance and retirement accounts and emergency funds and all good things. I have all of them. I would encourage you to have all of them. But, but that's not what we're going to be talking about today. It's, it's bigger than that. 
Jesus is talking about something different here, a, a bigger peace, not just merely peace of mind. And he says so. He says, not as the world gives to you, I give to you. So he's telling us this is, this is something different. This is something bigger. Um, the world settles for something far less than what we're going to see today. The world settles for a moment of calm, and they call it peace, or a brief distraction, and they call it peace, or a way to ignore or gloss over tension and trouble and cause, call it peace. But there's a peace that comes from God that is, that is bigger, that is permanent, that is lasting, that only Jesus can give. In the Old Testament, there's a familiar word uh, for peace, and it's shalom. And it's used over and over in the Old Testament. It's a common greeting among Jewish people. And it carries the meaning of, of completeness, of contentment, of fulfillment, satisfaction. Um, it, it's, it carries the meaning of wishing all that is good and satisfying and fulfilling to come into one's life. And the same word here, not, it's not the same word, but the New Testament equivalent is... Irene, E-I-R-N, it, it means the same thing. It, it's this, it's, it, means, it carries the same sense to it. The calm state of the soul. A soul at rest. A soul that is, that is satisfied. That's the biblical view of peace. Uh, the world settles, settles again for far, far less than that. Think about, think about the commercials that you see. Think about every commercial that you've ever seen for a resort That's, or a vacation destination. That's what they key in on, isn't it? Just, you know, come and forget about your troubles for a week. Let somebody else take care of the kids, and you just come, just forget about the stress and troubles of life for a week. And that's great. I'm not knocking vacations. I love vacations. But again, that's, that's not the biblical def definition of peace. It's, it's bigger than that. Think about, think about the, the car commercials that you see. Think about those cheesy Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials <laughs> where, he's, where he's, he's sitting in the Lincoln and just, you know, there's chaos on the outside of the vehicle, but he's just at like this serenity inside. I think one of them, there's even like a bull standing in the middle of the road just like looking at him and he's just kind of staring at it from, from, it, from his Lincoln. That's what, that's what companies, they, they, they key on that. They key on this moment of peace or this absence of, uh, of conflict or tension. Um, in reality, what, the most stressful place I ever spend time is in my car. <laughs> I mean, I, I stress out in my car. You know, people cutting me off and all the kinds of things happen. But that's what these companies want to, to key in on. And, that, and that's great, and that's fine, because that really is the only offering of peace in, in this world. Because apart from Christ, there is no lasting peace. Um, when the Bible talks about peace... Is talking about something completely different. Um, and that's when Jesus says, I'm giving you, here in these verses, he said, I'm giving you my peace, not as the world is going to give you peace. I'm giving you it in a, in a different way. It's not based on, on your circumstances. It's not based on the absence of trouble or trials. Um, later on, a few verses later, after um, our verse here today in, in John 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. So things are not always going to go well. There's not always going to be perfect circumstances in the world. In the world, you have tribulation. But take heart in that tribulation. I have overcome the world. So he's telling us, have peace, 
Things are going to go bad, <laughs> but have peace because I've overcome those things. And the peace that you're going to have, what, what we're going to talk about this morning is so much bigger than the troubles and the trials that you're going to experience in this world. His peace is bigger and it's above our circumstances. And we know that based on when Jesus is telling us these words, you know, kind of setting the stage here. When Jesus is speaking these words about his own peace and giving us peace, he's about to go to the cross. He's hours away from going to the cross. This is Thursday night. They're in the upper room. This is Thursday night, and he's hours away from being crucified. And he knows what he f- he's going to face. He knows that he'll be crucified. He knows that he will be separated from the Father. He knows that he will be punished for the sins of his people. He knows that that he's about to go through, through hell. And he's speaking of, of peace and his peace and how he's going to leave it with us. Think about that. This is, this is really, this is one of the most caring and sweetest things in the Bible. I mean, he's hours away from being betrayed, beaten, mocked, killed, and he's concerned about our peace. He's sitting in an upper room teaching and comforting and preparing his disciples and preparing us and making sure that we are taken care of. And he's hours away from a brutal death. And he knows it. Talking about thinking about others. Talking about putting others first. I I struggle to think about others when it comes to folding the laundry. I don't hardly ever do that. (laughs) When it comes to clearing the table or doing the dishes... Jesus is about to be crucified and have the sins of the world placed upon him. And he's concerned about you and me and his disciples. I mean, it's just so sweet. He is is such a beautiful Savior. In the last hours of his life, he's helping you and me deal with our fears and our worries and our troubles and to have peace in this life. They're celebrating the Passover in the upper room, and they're starting back in chapter 13 and through chapter 16. Jesus is just given all of this teaching and all of these promises. He promises us of heaven. He promises us that he's preparing a place for us there. He promises that he's going to take us there. He promises that he's going to send his Holy Spirit, which is going to be key to our topic today. He promises that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit will dwell with us. He promises truth. He promises peace here and not the world's peace you're going to hear me say that a lot this morning because it is something totally different it's wholly different than what the world has to look to for peace it belongs to him and he's going to give it to those who are his that's why in philippians 4 it says the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus it's beyond it's beyond all understanding because it's jesus is the fountainhead It comes from heaven. It's not of this world. It's not shared or understood by the world's thinking because Jesus, again, is the fountainhead and he gives it to us and he, he gives us to it. It's not a hope. It's not Jesus saying, I hope you will have peace. It's a gift. It's something that belongs to Jesus that he is giving to us, part of an inheritance that is ours. And so, again, we're reading this and we've kind of set the stage and we may think, Jesus, you know, you're about to be killed. What kind of peace are you talking about? What kind of peace? There's about to be chaos reigning all around you. What are you talking about? So just digging into this verse a little bit, most commentaries and theologians would say that there's, there's two aspects of peace being referenced here in this verse. Uh, 
One happens to us. One is, is outside of you. It's a change in our position, a change in our standing. And then one is inside of us that we, we experience, is experienced by us. The second one, the experiencing, the experiencing piece, is contingent on the first. If the first has not happened to you, if there hasn't been a change in your position, a change in where you stand with God, then the second aspect is, is, is not going to be there. One comes before two. So look, look at verse 27 with me. It says, peace, I leave with you. This is the first aspect that, that again, happens to you. This is a gift. This is not a command. This is Jesus giving a, a gift. He's not asking them to find peace. He's saying, I'm leaving this peace with you. Jesus is granting this peace. This is referring to Jesus' work on the cross. Over in Romans 4, the chapter ends with truths about the cross, with Jesus being delivered over because of our transgressions and being raised for our justification. And then in Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is referring to here. Peace with God because of his work on the cross. Because of his work on the cross, every Christian, every believer is at peace with God. That's why in the New Testament, over and over again, the apostles use the term gospel of peace because that's what the gospel brings. Gospel brings peace between the sinner and God. That's what justification does. God declares you righteous. God declares you justified by faith in Christ, by the work that, he, that Christ has done on the cross. So like I said, just let your hearts hear these words and these next few words and just get ready for Good Friday, get ready for Easter. Because this is, this is the great exchange that took place on the cross. Jesus took your sin and my sin and its penalty so that God might forgive you and might impute the righteousness of Christ to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And then in verse 21, so how do you do this? How did he do all of that? For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, so he put our sins on Christ, punished Christ in the way that we deserved, so that now we may stand righteous before God. Don't ever let that become familiar. Don't ever let those verses become just routine. That is, that is amazing. That is blow our minds right there. So we put our sins on Christ, punish Christ in the way we, were, we should have been, and now Christ is our righteousness, and we have peace with God. That's the first peace. That's the first as aspect of peace that we're talking about here. We have peace with God. Another way of saying it is in Colossians 1, 19. He says, In Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him... To reconcile to himself all, whether on earth or in heaven. And then it says in verse 20, making peace by the blood of his cross. So again, 
Peace is made between us and God by the blood of the cross, through the blood of Jesus. Before that, we were not at peace with God. Before that, we were at odds with God. Now, every Christian is at peace with God. Every believer, everyone that has bowed the knee before Christ is at peace with Him. And that takes place, that's a transaction that takes place outside of you. It's in the hands of a sovereign God who does that. But because He does it, we are at peace with Him. And before that, like I said, we were separated. We were cut off. And that was the way we wanted it. We were fine with that. So we thought. And if we would have stayed there, it would have resulted in hell forever. Dear lost friend that's here today, that's where you are. If you have not bowed the knee to Christ, that's where you are. You are separated from God. You're at odds with Him. You're an enemy with Him. Whether you feel like that or not, whether you feel like you're at odds or you're an, an enemy of God, or not, whether you feel that or not, that's where you are. That's what the Word of God says until you bow the knee to Christ. So be reconciled today. Find peace with God today. May the peace with God be a reality for you today. Trust in Jesus. His work, His, His righteousness, they're enough. Yours are not, but His are. The gospel of peace is the message that, that enemies can be reconciled and that peace was made through the blood of the cross. Our greatest problem has been taken care of. Our sin has been dealt with. And because Jesus died on the cross in our stead, we have peace with God. We are welcomed into God's family as sons and daughters. And be amazed by that today. Be amazed by the gospel of peace. Jesus made peace by drinking the cup of wrath dry on your behalf. Amen. Um, and because of that, because of that first aspect of peace, because of that, this new standing we have before God and we're at peace with God, we can now have this second aspect of peace where we can experience peace on this earth, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the chaos and things that happen around us and the troubles that occur around us. Because we are at peace with God, we've now been given this second aspect of peace. We can experience that here today, now, right now. We can have that, that calm, that, that he will hold me fast mentality today, right now, because of the reality that we have been reconciled to God. That's the joy that every believer has and, and experiences. Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You've been made righteous. You've been justified. And the result of that, peace and joy. Peace that leads to joy. Those are, those are another message for another day. Those are vitally connected. Are you, are you a joyless person? How much peace do you have in your life? Um, how settled and how calm is, is your heart? And like I said at, a few minutes ago, these two aspects of, of peace that we see in 1427 back in John are really inseparable. When you've been reconciled to God and you realize your greatest problem has been taken care of 
and that you have an inheritance and that you're a child of God, the result of that should be experience peace. We should have that in our lives, shouldn't we? When you think about all of these huge promises that we've talked about and, and the fact that we have been enemies have been reconciled to God and our greatest problem, we should experience peace, but anybody in here batting a thousand in that case? No, no. We, we live a large chunk of this life inconsistent with that reality, don't we? Um, we, we, we battle with that. There's an old story about, a, about an incident that, that took place shortly after the Civil War was over. There was a troop of Union Cavalry soldiers who were riding along the road between Richmond and Washington, and they, they saw this fella out in the woods, and he was in bad shape. I mean, he, he looked like skin and bones. He was in a tattered Union uniform. And, and he flagged down the, the cavalry, and they rode towards him, and, and the captain said to him, he's like, son, you, you look like you're starving to death. You look terrible. He said, why don't you go into Richmond and, and get what you need? And, and he said, the soldier said, I, I would not dare do that, because if I did that, I would be arrested, and I'd be in great difficulty. I've been waiting for an opportunity to go through the lines and go to the north so I could go get the supplies and the things I need, uh, but I've been hiding in the woods for three weeks. And the captain said to him, he's like, son, have you not heard the news? The war ended three weeks ago. There's been peace made in Appomattox three, almost a month ago. And the, the soldier said, I've been hiding and running in the woods, starving for almost a month because I didn't know the war was over. And so that, that's how we live a lot of times. We live inconsistent with the reality. The war is, is over. We have, we have peace with God. We've been reconciled with him. Again, our biggest problem has been taken care of. That's why verse 27 continues. It says, the, the, end, the end of that verse says, Stop letting your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You know, this is true. You've, you've been reconciled to God. I'm le- this is a peace I, I'm giving to you, and I'm leaving you this peace. These things are true. So now live like it. Live like it. Psalm 34 commands us to seek peace and pursue it. You have it now. Live like it. Paul urged Timothy in 2 Timothy, pursue peace. It, it's yours now. Use it. So, so how, do, how do we do that? How do we, how do we take the truth that we are reconciled to God. We are, we, we are at peace with God and now pursue it. Well, we touched on it last time and this is what I meant by kind of building on it. We touched on it last time I was, I was up here over in Matthew chapter 6. If you recall, Jesus is saying in, that, uh, in those comforting verses, he's saying, you know, stop worrying. Don't, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about the things you're going to drink or eat or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about those things. The pagans worry about those things. Then he goes on, he gives them a list of things. You know, God takes care of the birds. God takes care of of the flowers. Worrying doesn't help any of that. You can't add a single hour to your life by worrying and fretting. Why are you worried about your clothing? Look Look at the lilies of the field. You know, the I provide for them. I provide them more than I provided for, for, for Solomon and all of his, his glory and splendor. And if God takes care, the point is, if, if God takes care of the grass and the plants and the flowers, don't you think that he will care for you? So y'all remember, hopefully you remember when I was up here last, you remember that, that message. 
Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, don't bring in the worries and cares of tomorrow to today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Just have faith that God will meet you there with new mercy and new grace to handle, handle tomorrow. Another way of saying all that is have peace. Trust God. He is faithful. He, is, he will care for your needs. His providential hand is so much more and so much better than your fret and your worry and your stress about, about things. His providential hand is so much bi- so bigger, so much bigger and so much better than that. And then he says at the end of that, that passage over in Matthew 6, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So he goes through all these things and he basically is saying, have peace, trust God. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When you, when you follow the path of righteousness, when you, when you seek righteousness and when you, when you seek to do good, peace will find you along the way. When we're striving to honor God, when we're tri- striving to, to, to do good and, and seek righteousness, I, I believe this passage is telling us that peace will find you along the way in that. Don't worry. Trust God. Pursue righteousness and find peace there. That's what, it, that's what it's saying. That trust, that faith in God is, is a critical component to us experiencing peace in our lives, isn't it? That's, that's what we're seeing right here from Jesus in, back in John 14. That's what we're seeing from Jesus. In the face of the cross... He knows that the Father is good. Facing the cross just hours away, he knows that the Father is faithful and trustworthy and perfect. He has perfect faith that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. And the result of that is perfect peace, even in the face of just extreme circumstances. So, so how do we grow in that? Obviously, you know, our, our faith is a gift, but we grow and we nurture and we, we strengthen our faith. Well, well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we pursue peace by a, a, by a deep in faith? Well, Jesus knew the Father perfectly, didn't he? He knew the Father perfectly. So I would say this morning, we, we strengthen our faith and we subsequently experience more peace in our lives by knowing God more. By, by, by deepening our understanding of who God is and, and what he says about himself and the things that he has done throughout the course of history. Getting to know God and his word strengthens and deepens our faith and subsequently allows us to experience peace in this life. Because when you get to know God, you find that there's no deficiencies. There's no gaps. There's no lacking. There's no shadow of turning. He is perfect. He's wonderful. He's majestic. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's a perfect father. So when you get to know him, and you, you know that that's the one that has, has said things like that he will care for you, and that, that don't worry, and don't bring in troubles from tomorrow, because I will be there tomorrow to meet you with grace and mercy for tomorrow. And when he tells you all those things that your greatest problem has been taken care of, you can trust him in that. So... That's what we're seeing here in Jesus as well. Jesus is hours from the cross, but he knows God. He knows the Father perfectly. And he knows that this is the best. This is the best because God only has the best answers. He only has the best outcomes. 
He only has the best for his people. Think about, thinking about God and his person and his attributes and his words and his works and his power deepens our understanding of him and deepens our faith and allows us to experience peace in this life. The more you read about God, the more you think about God, the more you behold him, the greater he becomes. And the greater he becomes in your thinking, the greater your faith will be in him. And the greater your faith is in him, the more you will trust regardless of your circumstances. And the more you trust regardless of your circumstances, the greater peace you will have in your life. That's why the Bible talks about having a renewed mind. Our faith is strengthened by thinking about God's word and his truth and his promises and who he is and what he's done. And, it, and it's not just head knowledge. When you do that, it changes the way you respond to things. It changes the way you talk to people. It changes the decisions you make. It changes everything in your life. Listen to Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's, that kind of sums it up right there. That sums up the point that I'm trying to make here. I could have read that about five minutes ago and just not gone through all that. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So we have peace with God. That's justification. That's a reality that our God has done for us. And as we remind ourselves, as we preach to ourselves, as we remind one another, our faith is strengthened. And that affords us to experience peace in this life, regardless of what's going on around us. And again, it's regardless of our circumstances. Again, we, we, I've said this four or five times. Jesus is, Jesus is ours from the cross. So in the busyness of life, in, in the days where you're meeting yourself in the road, taking kids to ball games and horse lessons and all that, you can have peace. In the mundane and the boring loneliness, you can have peace. In the, in the trial, in the affliction of this life, you can have peace. Because it's not like a peace that the world gives. It's different. Jesus is the source. Think about the scenes that would follow these words in John 14, 27. Jesus is about to spend time in the garden after this. He's about to heal a soldier's ear in this chaotic moment. He's about to endure the most unfair trial in the history of the world. He's about to have this exchange with Pilate and Herod. He's about to be beaten. He's about to be spit on. He's about to be nailed to a cross. He's about to usher a thief into heaven. And he's taking care of his mother as he hangs on a cross. And he's enduring the vileness of every sin of his people. All done without irritation, without chaos, without fretfulness, without sin in his life. Peace reigned in the heart of Jesus. He knew the Father and he trusted him. He loved him. And he knew that his care and his providence and the love of the Father that the Father had for him, his son. Jesus' trust in the Father was so clear and so complete that in Hebrews 12, it says that he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. Even though that in the garden, what did he do? He was in agony. He was in agony in the garden. So how do you reconcile those two things? He's in agony about to go to the cross, yet Hebrews says he did it with, 
did it as the joy was set before him. That, 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 that's peace. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on around us, of course we don't, we don't enjoy hard things. Of course we don't enjoy trials and affliction and sickness and, and things that ha- happen in our life. But that doesn't mean we can't have peace in and through those things. Because you've been reconciled, you've been justified, your greatest problems have been taken care of, and Christ has given you his peace. But there, there's more. There's even more than that. Jesus is not just our example here. He's, he's the fountainhead of this peace. We're not left on our own to figure this peace out, are we? Back in our verse, it says, peace I leave you with. My peace I give to you. This is a peace that God is, gonna, is, is giving to us. Over and over in the New Testament, God is referred to as the God of peace. Jesus is giving us his own peace here. Over in John 16, Jesus says about sending the Holy Spirit, he says, He will glorify me. So he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So in regards to what we're talking about today, Jesus is saying, I'm going to send one that will take peace that is mine, and he will declare it to you in your life. That is, that is amazing. That is amazing. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He's going to take that peace that I just talked about, that peace in the face of the cross, that peace that Christ experienced, and he's going to declare it in our lives. He's going to help us figure this out. The whole Trinity, the God of peace, Jesus giving us this peace, and the Holy Spirit existing in us, declaring this peace, the whole Trinity is involved in our peace. No God consistently put yourself under sound teaching of his word, continually renew your mind, preaching to yourself and to one another. Seek good, seek righteousness, and peace will find you along the way. That's what God has told us. And a, and a settled peace is a settled peace, a settled calm that is not found anywhere else in the world. It's the same peace that Christ had when he was talking and, and going through all those scenes um, that led him to the cross without any chaos, without any, any, any trouble in his heart, without any sin. John MacArthur says this about, about the world's peace. And I'll, I'll end with, these, uh, with a couple of, uh, I'll end with a couple of quotes here. But John MacArthur says this about the world's peace. He says, It is the bliss of ignorance, the devil's peace, He rocks men in the cradle of security. He cries, peace, peace, when men are on the precipice of hell. The seeming peace a sinner has is not from the knowledge of his happiness, but the ignorance of his danger. The world lacks peace. That's not an emotional issue. That's not a physiological issue. It's not a circumstantial issue. It's a soul issue. It's a spiritual issue. Because only those who know Jesus Christ can have peace with God and the peace of God. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful that, that he, has, he has secured peace with God for you? The world's peace is shallow and fleeting. It's no, it's no peace at all. It's no lasting peace at all. Jesus has secured lasting, permanent peace between us and God. F.B. Meyer said it this way. He said, the world wishes peace, 
but lightly speaks the word, frequently wishing that it were, frequently wishing that it were there, but doing little to warrant for it, wishing it without doing anything to produce it, wishing it while still glorying over a wrong, never healing slightly a wound. They cover with turf the crater of a volcano. Christ, on the other hand, lays the foundation of peace in suitable conditions of a holy and healthy life. With the world, peace is a passing emotion. With Christ, it's a settled principle of action, the perfect balance of equilibrium of the soul, out of which comes all that is fair and strong and wholesome. The world's peace consists in the absence of untoward circumstances. Christ's peace is altogether independent of circumstances and consists in the state of the heart. It matters nothing that in the world we have tribulation. He bids us to be of good cheer because in him we shall have peace, unquote. There are so many gifts that Christ has won for us, but none are greater than the peace he has secured for us with God. And he did that with his work on the cross. And then he gives it, to, gives it to us so we can experience peace in this life. We can experience a settled heart, a calm soul, a peace that is beyond the understanding of this world, beyond even our own understanding, because we have peace with God and we've been reconciled with him. And we who were once enemies are now friends. Peace with God and the peace of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for bringing us together this morning. Father, please uh, protect these people from any error that may have um, come from me this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for giving us peace with God and for giving us the peace of God. What a blessing. What a, what a Savior. May we grow in this fruit of the Holy Spirit for our good and for your glory. May peace and joy grow in, in our lives and, in, and in, as our knowledge and faith in you grows. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving us your peace. What a gift. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.